Welcome to an all-new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond from the Bronx. I am joined, just like every week, by Jason Brooks, who will be uh, talking to us from Rochester, New York, where uh, hopefully he's received my picture of Rita Hayward and we can start him to a fresh new life. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Yes, Rita is on the wall. Um, and uh, she, she's looking good. She's looking good. Now, have you finished both sides of the chest set, or you still have to work on the uh, the, the ivory white pieces? Uh, got always got to work on the white pieces, Corey. You know how that works. Black pieces are good. Always got to work on the white pieces. That's key word. They work. <laughs> uh, and that was a joke that was not funny to start with, and it just popped into my head. Okay, um, as everyone knows who's listened to the first six of these these podcasts, is that we talk about wrestling, the good, the bad, and the uh, ugly, I guess you can say, from every week. Uh, last week was a lot more interesting after we went off the air with our first podcast, when we thought CM Punk not being on Raw was just, we're not going to have every single person after the, the Rumble. Uh, later on that night, we found out that CM Punk had had a meeting earlier in the day with Vince McMahon, Was appeared to be very unhappy with the direction of the company, and decided to, uh, to go home for a while. As a result, uh, me and Jay went and uh, got back on the air, spoke for about 45 minutes on CM Punk. Since then, it's been getting crazier by the day. With uh, CM Punk being removed from the opening montage of Monday Night Raw, and being removed from the Fan Fest, fan, sorry, Fan Access at WrestleMania being replaced by uh, Ric Flair, uh, and being replaced on all house shows by Sheamus. So this has been a rocky week in the WWE when it comes to CM Punk. Uh, we hope that uh, Vince McMahon can work his magic and get him back, but. Uh, this is going to be an interesting tale over the next couple of weeks, couple of months, or even year when it comes to CM Punk and the WWE, Jay. Yeah, and I definitely think that CM Punk not being there, whether you love him, hate him, or whatever, it definitely affected the show. Uh, I felt like the show was kind of off kilter, and the segments didn't all go together. Um, and so I, I wasn't a... I, the show was not bad, but it was... Strange, you know the Miz thing, the Bad News Barrett thing. There are things on the show that didn't seem to really go go together or make sense, uh, and I feel like CM Punk not being there affected it. Maybe they had to rewrite segments that they thought they had planned out. Um, definitely thought that it affected the show, and we'll kind of see what happens over the next few weeks and months. Well, you know what? Honestly, it was just uh, more of burying the undercard. You know, you had Miz, you had Ziggler, you had Barrett, Kofi. What all these guys have in common? They were just, you know, in matches or in segments that, you know, nobody cared about in the long run because you had to get over the Wyatts and the Shield, which is the absolute right thing to do this week. Yeah, that was, uh, other than the Brian Orton match, where I thought it was a ter- terrific match, um, the Wyatt Shield thing and how they kind of built that match up, I thought it was the best part of Raw. And you know what? I, as for as many good things there might have been on Raw, I know I'm a work rate guy, which means I love the in-ring action more than sometimes the gentleman talking on the mic, but that tag team title match in the steel cage went on way too long, and yes, there was an amazing spot at the end where it looked like Cody Rhodes was about to kill, or may have killed himself, but that match was just 
drag, drag. And when JBL says, you know, the fans don't know who to root for, that's, that's his code way of saying everyone is sitting on their hands and nobody gives a damn. It's not because both, both teams are faces, which is, you know, another problem in that storyline. But what was your opinion on that cage match that, you know, went on forever and ever and ever and ever? The match was slow. Um, I think one thing that affected the match is the fans didn't seem like they were into it. Um, the fans didn't seem like they were into a lot yesterday. Um, they chanted CM Punk a bunch, but not as much as you would have thought after he left last week. And in general, the crowd didn't seem that into that match. And I did think the match was slow. I agree with you. Um, Cody's spot was terrific. Um, he nearly killed himself. But um, th- that storyline's been weird or lack thereof where, you know, New Age Outlaws are good guys and the Brotherhood, they're good guys. And I'm not sure if they really know where that's going. I didn't think the match was bad and I thought it picked up toward the end. But I did think it was definitely a... a Slow match, but not a bad match, just a slower match. But the, the the big thing was the crowd was not into it at all. Yeah, but you know, it looked like that the luster of seeing the New Age Outlaws kind of going away. I mean, they I look... They pop for them every time they come out. They look old, though. They're starting out, you know what, that first... I week mean, they are old. I mean, they look good for a couple of 50-year-old guys, I think. Uh, I don't know. Road Dog looked very sloppy in the ring. Road Dog's never been good in the ring. <laughs> He's always been, you know, just average. Billy Gunn's always been the one who's carried them in the ring. Um, so, you know, they're they're old, but I thought they were okay. I, I mean, think they're fine. You don't need them out there every week for the next two years, but I think, you know, a couple of months spot until WrestleMania, I think it's fine. I guess you could see. All right, you know, I guess we're we're burying the lead. I mean, you know, I was just a, the idea of just seeing what was going on, and I actually worked last night, so I saw Raw this morning when I got home. So I'm a, it's a little bit more fresher in my mind than you know maybe in some weeks. But you know, we have to go with the good. I guess you had a 26 or 27 minute match between Daniel Bryant and Captain Boring, who uh, figured out a way to go and make a very interesting promo because he went and spoke as fast as he could to make sure that the CM Punk chants weren't as visible as they were. Because that man, who usually does very slow promos, of course, talking about Randy Orton and Deliberate, was going a mile a minute, which wasn't a bad thing, you know, due to the fact that it was a change of pace. Yeah, I mean, they had to figure the fans were going to go crazy um, about CM Punk. So they, they had to make him go as, as quickly as he can. You know, what did you think about that opening segment? Um, David Shoemaker, who's a masked man, he writes for Grantland, um, he put on Twitter, he thought that, you know, the WWE did a good job of kind of fooling the fans, the smart fans, in terms of Triple H coming out and saying Brian could be the face of the WWE. But I found that segment to be really confusing. And, you know, obviously we kind of know where it went toward the end and what they're setting up. But I thought, it, you know, he's going to fight him to be the face of the WWE. That segment didn't seem to make seem to make much sense to me. Well, I thought there were two problems with that segment. One, I understand that you most likely want the fans not to go crazy and sabotage the show with the yes chance. But when you have the authority figure leading the yes chance with his f- fingers up in the air, I think that's a way to try to kill the crowd from doing it. Say, well, this may not be ago, cool. Well, three months ago, he hated Brian, and, and he did everything he could to make sure that he was not champion. Now, all of a sudden, he can be the face of the WWE. I know that sometimes the WWE tries to uh, act like the fans have no memory, you know, 
but they do have a memory. They remember what happened several months ago when Triple H had Shawn Michaels involved, had all these people involved to do everything he could to not get the, you know, so Brian could not win the title. So I'm not, I, I thought that segment was just, was really confusing and uh, strange, to be honest with you. I can't disagree with you, but I guess the other part on that is I think that when you make every other week, you, it's this idea that we're not sure if the authority are heels or faces. I think that's a huge problem. And the way that they made it almost seem like at the end of it was that, of course, now they have to call him Corporate Kane, so we know that we're supposed to go and boo him. But with Kane coming down, it almost felt like Kane's doing his own thing, and maybe he's not involved directly with the authority anymore. Because, you know, at the beginning of the show, you have them saying how they wouldn't mind seeing a new face, and at the end, you have Kane come out. So you don't, you're almost not sure where they're going with this. I don't mind Kane coming out at the end, and I might be, um, uh, you know, may, my message may not seem consistent. Um, I don't mind Kane coming out at the end. I kind of like Kane involved. I like him in those little spots where he kind of comes out and does something real quick and isn't wrestling, you know, 15-minute, 20-minute long matches on Raw. Uh, my thing was consistency. I know they say doing what's best for business, and they feel like Orton's their guy. Now they're more conflicted. But they're conflicted about Daniel Bryan when three months ago they couldn't stand him and he was the worst thing ever and he was five foot nine. He had his height he hasn't gotten taller in the last three months. So that consistency from specifically Bryan to where they are now, because I know you're right. They've done the thing with the heels and the you know, as far as kind of being heels, kind of being faces and rooting Batista on and there's been kind of a lot of gray with that. I don't mind the gray, but I feel like they have their consistency with Brian already. They know what they feel about him, so now they're changing their mind about him. It doesn't really seem to make much sense. can't disagree with you on that. Um, now, the big thing that happened last night, which we, we were, I guess we'll speak about now and mostly a little bit later, is the, besides CM Punk, who's like I said, is right now apparently not with the company, is that the real face of the company, which I haven't... Bad News Barrett? Oh, no, he was on the show. I thought you were going to say, well, you said the face of the company. I tried to get Bad News Barrett out. Never mind. Go ahead. You know, I mean, you know, maybe we'll have another match with him against, uh, you know, so Doc Sampson could go and have another appearance at Royal. Let's hope not. That's, but John Cena, who got a black eye in a house show match, I believe, on Saturday, was not on the house show match on Sunday and also did not appear during the actual broadcast of Raw. And as much as we all like to go and at times rip on Cena for being shoved down our throat, it really felt like maybe they were, they initially had plans for Cena to be, be a very big part of Raw last night. And with him not there, they had to maybe had to rewrite stuff because it just felt like it was, I don't know if the right word is a blah show, but it felt like there was something missing. And, yeah, yeah, I know there was, like there was something missing. I agree with that. And I know there were weeks where, you know, we, we didn't have... Him or Orin on the show when we had the double, uh, you know, the, the Toronto House show at the beginning of the year, and then you had the regular Raw. So there are shows where they haven't been there, but it almost felt like there was something that was supposed to happen and just didn't happen because of the injury. Well, two out of the three biggest baby faces, good guys in the company, were not there last night. Punk because he left, and Cena because he was hurt. 
So you had Daniel Bryan and the guy that they want to put over as a top babyface in Dave Batista, but the fans are still another week where they're not really buying it. So two out of the three biggest good guys in the company weren't there. So I felt like the show was definitely missing, and maybe that's why the crowd wasn't as into it. I don't know. But there definitely seemed to be something missing last night. Um, let's see. I guess there, had, there, there was like maybe one or two other good positives from the show. I mean, like I said, I didn't like the show besides really the end, which to people who listen most likely isn't a huge, uh, surpri- you know, huge surprising fact that me not loving the product at times. But I guess you got to say the way that they pushed the Wyatts and the Shield has been, as much as I didn't like the way that they got to it last Monday with the interference in the uh, Elimination Chamber uh, qualifying match, I think what they did on SmackDown and uh, Raw with the idea of the Wyatts, uh, Luke Harper starting to talk, and some of these promos, I think that that's something that could be pretty good at the Elimination Chamber, and it's going to be an interesting build over the next couple of weeks. I agree. I mean, when was the last time the Shields wrestled a bad match? You know, and against the Wyatts, two out of the three guys are pretty good. So I think if they, you know, have them, you know, have a long match, you know, at the Elimination Chamber, they could do some really fun things and have some really good spots and have a really good build to that match. So I'm looking forward to the build. I'm looking forward to the match. You know, Elimination Chamber, you know, say what you will, without Punk and without some of the other things, Elimination Chamber with just those two matches, the Chamber, which will be a long match, and the six-man tag are shaping up to be a pretty interesting pay-per-view. I can't disagree with that. I mean, but it is a B-show, and I think most people will mostly save their... What does that mean, though? So we say a B-show, right? Meaning that um, maybe there won't be a title change. Maybe, you know, it doesn't mean it won't be a good show. The Extreme Rules pay-per-view last year, which I didn't even see... Which, because everyone said it was a B show, they had the Lesnar Cena match was one of the matches of the year. So sometimes we say it's a B show, so it's not going to be a good show. But a B show doesn't mean it's going to be a bad show. It just means that it's not a show that they've highlighted as one of their big shows. But it it could still be a pretty good card. Well, all I'm saying is a B show is because it's between the Rumble and WrestleMania, and it, if there was and if there was a show where you want to save. $44 or $54 before we the WWE Network when you can get them, you know, for $9.99 a month. You may want to say, all right, I'll go and pay the WWE $60 down payment for six months of the network, and I won't pay for the Elimination Chamber this month because, all right, we might have a title change, but the big card and where I'm going to put my money towards is next month. That's why I say it's, it's – I'm not saying that I would skip this card. But I could see why people might go and say, let me save my money and go and start putting uh, that money that would have went towards that, I put towards the WWE Network. Well, I feel like some people still do the thing where they only buy, you know, those big pay-per-views every year. You know, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and maybe Survivor Series. So a lot of people still do that. So this is a B-show, you know, in that way. But I still think this is shaping up to be a pretty solid show, you know, no matter how you look at it. And I guess the uh, third match that we can most likely book for this show will be uh, Batista versus Alberto Del Rio. It most likely and that is like. a match that nobody cares about. I mean, the fans didn't seem to care. I don't think Del Rio cared. Batista definitely didn't care. He was laughing half the time during the promo. I mean, it was the the build for that match is awful, just awful. Nobody cares. 
Okay, then I guess I don't have to ask you if you like that segment or not, because oh, I believe we got it. It started off interesting when he was saying, you know, you were gone for a long time, and, you know, I've been here. I thought that part was interesting. Then he started calling him, uh, you know, he started uh, uh, saying he's an animal, he's a whatever. He's a, you know, he said it was awful. There was no uh, substance behind the promo. And, you know, if you're going to build this matchup with him and Batista, and I know it's not a natural build and they just are trying to get Batista a match before Mania, I feel like you want more of a natural, more of a, uh, an angle with a little more substance, which I didn't feel like that had at all. I felt like it was Del Rio just basically picking a fight with Batista, and you know he's going to get destroyed at Elimination Chamber. Uh, and the last good, I'm going to say, from this particular show was, once again, the Shield with their interaction with... Uh, with Rey Mysterio, as a result of that, I would love to see, you know, maybe a 10-minute, eight, 10-minute match on a Raw between Mysterio and maybe any member of the Shield, but especially Roman Reigns. They look like they had some really good chemistry in that match. And that push for Reigns is just continuing. And, I, you know, you got to like it because it looks like that even after uh, him being in the Elimination Chamber, you would think he's going to have a pretty good match at Mania and then it's going to start the build of most likely some sort of title run sometime uh, the middle of this year. Yeah, you know, with these Elimination Chambers, I think sometimes they do try to do title changes. So I would not be surprised at all to see, you know, some type of title change. But, you know, we'll kind of see, we'll see how that all works out. But they do sometimes, you know, trip people up and do title changes on these um, Elimination Chambers. So we'll see. Okay, I guess you didn't hear me when I just made my last point. But uh, we'll move on. Um... Some of the negatives. The internet... Well, hold on. One more positive. Oh, God. Here we go. Come on. AJ was great on commentary. She called Naomi... She called him... She's a sexy baked potato. It's hilarious. She was great on commentary. She put over Emma and Summer. Um, I thought that was one of the highlights of the show. I love when AJ comes out. So I thought that was a positive. Bad News Barrett was awful. Was just Was just terrible. Emma. You gotta love Emma. No? All right. Blank let's, stare through Skype here. I'm looking at you. Give me a blank stare. All right. Let's, let's, all right. You want to start with the negatives. Let's start with the negatives. I, I watch NXT. You watch NXT. Yeah. I would say a small part of the WWE audience watches NXT every week. You're going to bring in new people. You either go and bring them in with a huge impact or you do uh, videos for them promoting them coming in. Having Emma just come in every week with a stupid sign, being just a random fan in the audience who they say is on our NXT program, and then you have her come in for a dance segment, and the crowd has no idea how they're supposed to react to her uh, to her silly dance, which is over like Grover in uh, NXT with you know all the bubbles and the fans going crazy. If you want people to care about Emma, you you go and for a couple of weeks you show videos of the. The crowd doing the Emma dance and the bubbles and all, everything going on. So when she walks in there and actually steps in the ring, people have any idea what they're supposed to do with her. Besides Santino, you know, basically in a louder voice saying, you know, Emma won. Does anybody care? I mean, it was like, who the hell is Emma and why is she on my TV? Yeah, she, she had like a smattering of chants from people who probably watched NXT who knew she, who she was. Um, it was a real cold way to bring her in um, in terms of, you know, they didn't hype the crowd up. The crowd didn't know who she was. 
Um, they didn't really do a good job of explaining who she was. Um, I love her dance, and it's great, but if you, you're, if you don't watch NXT, you're like, who is this chick, and why is she doing this really strange dance? Um, obviously, as you guys probably know, if you've listened for the last few weeks, I'm a big Emma fan. I've figured out a way to talk about her in every podcast that we've had so far. But I really didn't like the way they introed her, uh, and I hope that doesn't hurt her moving forward. I would agree with that. And second one, and we're going to stick with the women as a negative. Yeah, it's great that AJ was on commentary and did a great job with interaction with JBL and everyone. But the longer she was on commentary meant the longer we had to watch Naomi and Oksana in the ring and Oksana almost taking out Naomi's eye. I mean, that was an ugly match that went on for however long it went on. It went for that much longer than it should have been on. You know these Divas matches sometimes are not the best. And sometimes they, they go a little long. I, I didn't think that was a big deal. I, I didn't think that was a big deal. It was fine. It got Naomi over. Um, you know, she does have some skills in the ring. I, I thought it was... Oksana's won a few times. So she wasn't just kind of anybody, you know, a nobody out there completely. I thought it was fine. It was a little long, but AJ was entertaining. So I think that helped. All right. Last negative. Um, and like I said, this is maybe a nitpick. A nitpick in this. But oh, it will be a nitpick. It's not a maybe. Go ahead. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the, the, the primetime players have broken up. And uh, Titus Young is... Wait, Titus O'Neil. I'm sorry. I screwed them up. Big deal, Titus O'Neil. Oh, jeez. Could we get much lamer in his first match as a singles facing Zack Ryder where he... Why? It's a squash match. That's what he's supposed to do. They're not going to put him up against... I mean, it used to be Kofi Kingston, but now they're giving him a little push. Well, it is. So, uh, you know, they went from one jobber to another jobber, and so it's a squash match to get him over a little bit as a guy. I think he's sloppy in the ring. Um, I think, but I think he has potential to be a guy who, um, you know, who, who can do some things, an IC champ, U.S. champ type. I, I, I will say this about Titus O'Neil. I feel like he should be a baby face. I feel like he should be a good guy. I feel like the fans want to root for him and he seems like a nice like a nice guy as well. I don't feel like the fans want to boo this guy. So I really feel like it should be more of a face turn, but they're going where they're going with it and we'll we'll kind of see what happens. I, know, I almost just felt like Zack Ryder had too much offense in that match, offense in that match and it just felt like okay, it was there and I almost felt like you wanted him to do some sort of promo or even some another not a rehashing of them breaking up, but just something where maybe Darren Young comes out, and you actually maybe saw another attack. You know, just I wanted to see hear him on the mic say, you know, why he's decided that I've had enough of this guy and it's time to go out on my own. It just felt like, okay, we have one little replay, and then we're going to show him beat up Zack Ryder, and we just move on to the next thing. It was just like it wasn't a big deal, and you want if you want guys to be more than undercard guys you got to have them have a little bit of an impact when they first come in, especially with a, a newer idea or gimmick. I mean, I hear you, but, I mean, that's what they're setting him up to be, a mid-card guy right now. Um, with WrestleMania, Elimination Chamber, all the stuff that they have going on, it's tougher to build new characters right now and build up this big storyline with him and Darren Young, which, to be honest with you, they're a nice, they were a nice little tag team, but... Are you really going to dedicate, you know, 20 minutes on Raw to the primetime players and them breaking up? I don't know that that many people care. 
I can see what you're saying. I, I, like I said, I just like the idea. If you're going to bring in somebody, you're going to give him a fresh start. I think you, you should have him on the mic the, his first night on the main show. That, that's all. I mean, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. And the final thing I want to bring up from Raw is the fact that you have the Elimination Chamber. We now know all six competitors. For those who didn't watch, we have the ones from last week, Sheamus, Daniel Bryant, John Cena, the champion, Captain Boring, Randy Orton, and our other two are Captain Charisma, who returned on SmackDown, uh, Christian, and then we have the dark horse, Antonio Cesaro. And my problem is the fact that Cesaro is a guy who I'm pretty sure everyone thinks doesn't have a chance in hell of winning the match. He doesn't. But I'd like to see him right after getting into the, the chamber match. Maybe you spotlight him on Raw instead of having the only time we see him as a cheerleader and looking disappointed in a Jack Swagger match. You know, maybe just give him a little bit of something. If you want a guy to be, for people to actually think the guy has any chance in hell of having any relevancy in the match, maybe it wouldn't hurt for him to have a match so you could showcase him on there. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think they already are starting to put him over as the lead member of that tag team. Uh, last week when Swagger got slapped, obviously this week when Swagger lost, Cesaro seems to most of the time get the pinfalls in the, in, when, when they win. Um, the crowd seems to be more into him. So I think they've kind of established him as more of the lead guy. You're right, they could do something else to get him over. But I think in time, I mean, I hope in time they're going to start to do that a little bit more. You know, spotlight him in the Elimination Chamber, have him do some nice things in there, uh, work his way toward WrestleMania, get a nice little spot there, and then work his way further from there. But I don't think they need to rush that right now and, and put Cesaro over as this big-time guy. Everyone knows he's a dark horse. Uh, and everyone knows that it's unlike, very unlikely he'll win. Well, those are our thoughts this week on Raw. If you would like to contact us and tell us what you thought, you could always contact us via Twitter on Worked Shoot Pod. Um, we're going to be back in a couple of moments with our special guest this week, who you hear us promote his show every week. Uh, we'll do that, of course, again. And, you know... The three times, four times we've actually spoken about it, I figured out a way to misdo the plug. So I'm sure I'll do that another four or five times. But we will be right back with uh, our special guest this week, one half of the Kitchen Sink Podcast, Eddie Z. And uh, we'll be back momentarily, guys. Welcome back to the Worked Shoot Wrestling Podcast with your host, Corey Richmond from the Bronx. And like always, I am still joined by Jason Brooks, who is in Rochester, New York, who is trying to figure out a way to get through the snow and back home to the Bronx, which apparently may never happen. But I am joined in studio with the host of the Kitchen Sink Podcast, Eddie Z. Eddie, I'd like to talk to you about This Week in Wrestling and that guy CM Punk. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before you go into the CM Punk thing, because I definitely want to share my opinions on that. Before you go into the CM Punk thing, I've been sitting here listening to you guys go over the radio. And what's up, Jason? What's going on? I've been listening to you guys um, go over everything. Uh, with wrestling, and um, I just have, just real quick, give me two minutes to just go through. So first of all, Jason, last week when, when you made a point that they will be going to Omaha 
and that's probably the thing that they needed right now. You know, with the whole CM Punk thing, if they would have been in a big city, it would have been over. I tell you one thing, I never so happy to hear Omaha in my life. As you know, I wasn't going for the Broncos, but I when they were in Omaha and they started the chant of CM Punk right at the beginning, all I kept thinking was, let's see where this goes. And obviously Triple H is going to do the yes, yes chant because he'd rather them cheer for someone in the company as opposed to someone out the company. Uh, but I really thought, man, if this thing was in New York or Chicago or, you know, Texas, I would have had to mute my TV. It would have been a mess. I would have, it, the show, I mean, if you thought the show was okay now, the show would have been completely hijacked and completely ruined. So I think them being in Omaha, you know, different type of fan. They, they were kind of watching wrestling for what? Wrestling, just what's in front of them. And, of course, you know, you're, you're going to have fans everywhere who know what's going on with CM Punk. And I think that's why they did the Miz thing. I think maybe they're using the Miz to try to make this all kind of, like, seem like a work. Like, it's part of an angle. People are getting mad, and they want to leave the company because they're not being highlighted. So they send the Miz out there to kind of almost do the same thing. I'm supposed to be in there. You know, I'm the ex-champ, and I did this. And then he leaves storming out. I felt like that was a direct knock at CM Punk. And maybe they're going to try to work this out where it's an angle. So I thought I really liked um, The Miz coming out there and doing it because it kind of leaves the door open. If Punk wants to come back, um, he'll come back. They'll make it an angle. If he doesn't come back, they'll just play this whole thing out with The Miz and almost make fun of it with The Miz. That's just my opinion. So I kind of like that they did that with The Miz. Um, uh, I mean, Corey. Yes, uh, why, why do, Eddie Z. <laughs> why, why do you care so much how they brought Emma in? We don't pay attention to the women in the WWE. A quarter of the fans this watch next. Half of them care about the women. So we're talking about maybe less than maybe a thousand people who are really watching the women in NXT. I'm just, you know, I'm making fun. But, but you know, though, you know, though, Ed, why don't we care about the women in NXT? Why don't they make us care about certain characters? No, no. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I agree with you. Like, you would say, oh, who cares? She's just a diva and whatever. But why not make some of these women meaningful characters when the women come out and these divas come out no one gives a crap about them all right no you're 100 percent right and we've already almost we've been given this thing where um here are the women you're gonna get models who run around the ring and do a couple of bumps here and there you probably got some people who are some women who are um talented but did you think when you said you have a uh, women in nxt that they're not bringing out like, do you think they're then going to take someone who hasn't paid their dues in WWE and all of a sudden give them a magnificent intro? Um, if you do that to the NXT women, then what are you saying about the women you currently have on the roster? They so suck. I'm not shocked. They're not really good. Yeah, I'm not shocked, though, that they – I'm not shocked that they did it that way because I'm like, you know, if, if, let's say – let's just say you had Awesome Kong. Right in there, and then AJ Lee was fighting, and Natalia was fighting, and then you still had um, Beth Phoenix, and you had a lot of talented women along with some of the models. Then I could see bringing this girl as something special, but you, you gotta, you just got a bunch of models running around. So I could see it as how you bring Emma and make her something big when you have all these women there who's been sitting. So I wasn't surprised. I understand what you're saying, Jason, but I don't see why we, why we expected anything more from them. I'm going to let you continue with some of your thoughts from Raw, but one of the things, I don't know if you watch NXT at all, but with NXT, the women are given a chance to actually to work, and a lot of the women in NXT right now are, are actually pretty darn good in the ring, 
and the reaction that Emma gets from the NXT audience is one of the bigger reactions that anyone in NXT gets. So the idea of if you go and give her like a, a promo video showing how the fans go crazy, this trend of this Emma with this dance. Well, the dance makes her silly. Thus, they put her with Santino. So she's no, but that's but that's lightly. her yeah, but that, Ed, that's her gimmick. She's she's a goofy character. All we all we have are women who are models who look the same and talk the same and sound the same, basically except for AJ and Tamina. And the, the the two the two um, African American ladies they have and Natalia and, and Natalia now there's this woman who's like a, who's a goofball like a lot of women are and I you know like a lot of people are they could be like different person than we normally see all right and I, that that's interesting and different and I think it's I think it's cool that they're trying to highlight her at least no no I, okay. I'd like for them to do more of that I think once she goes into the ring and she works in the ring. Then maybe people would take notice, but I don't really think, in my opinion, that I don't really care about bring, how they bring the women in. Let me just see what they got in the ring, and then I'll care. And she's I, good, she's good in the ring too. Yeah, so you know, I, I then I'll care. But look, we've already spent that's even more time than you spent on the women, and that was almost too much time for me. So I just those are some things. I love the Titus O'Neil thing. Um, uh, I I like that they're remaking him. Um, yeah, he was a little sloppy in the ring. But like Jason said, it's too quick to try to make a star with, with a few weeks left. Um, so the Titan so new thing was good. Uh, only because I think I think maybe, and you're going to disagree with me, Cole Harley, and that's okay because I usually don't share the same opinion. But I think, there were, I think they went from no tag teams to too many tag teams. And that, that's just my, you know, when you have Axu and Ryback, and then you had uh, you know, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, um, you got the New Age, you got the Brothers, you got the Shield, you got the Wyatts, you got um, the, the Truth um, with his buddy. You, you got you went from like only having two tag teams to almost having like ten tag teams. And I feel like when I watch Raw now, every other match is a tag team or a six-man match. Let me just bring up one thing on that. I agree with you that there are a lot of tag teams now, but it appears you're breaking up more than one of the tag teams at one time. It looks like you're going to be breaking up Cesaro and Swagger. It looks like you, like I said, you just broke up the primetime players. Everything points to the idea that they're going to be breaking up the Shield and making Roman Reigns be a star on his own. And it doesn't look like you'll have Rollins and Ambrose start teaming together as a tag team. So it's almost like you're, you have too many tag teams and now you're getting rid of like three or four half. at one You're getting rid of half. Half of them. Yeah. And I have no problem with them breaking up the team. I don't think Darren Young's Anything special. All I'm saying is the idea, if you're going to put Titus O'Neil on his own, I think you should have let him get on the mic and use his best resources, which is his mouth, and explain to why he went and did what he did. And, you know, you can have Titus O'Neil talking, you know, being boisterous. You have, you know, uh, Young come down and he gets beat up again, so you rehash a little bit so the people who didn't see SmackDown can see it. And like I said, I got no problem with them breaking up. I just think... If you're going to make, give Titus O'Neil to be a chance to be a mid-level heel, you should have given him a little bit more of a push his first night. That's all I'm saying on that. No, you know, I could, I could see that, but they're going to do it on SmackDown. We don't need to see that on a Raw. Let, let, that, let the SmackDown show be for the mid-level explanations and story building of all the guys they don't care about. But are you, are, you, uh, are you and most people watching SmackDown every week, though? No. So exactly. So if you're not going to watch SmackDown, mm -hmm. how are you going to see the development of how this guy became what because he is? Because they show us 200 times on Raw. 
All right, you got a point there. There you go. All right, so there, that was that. You know, I just, I was saying here just some things I want to share. Go ahead. You can ask me what you were going to ask me. Thank you. Thank you. Letting us take our show back. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you want to hear him go and boss someone else around for, you know, an hour. No, I just wanted to share some thoughts with you guys. I listen to all your podcasts, and a lot of times I'm like, no, no. Okay, yeah, I agree with this guy. No, no. So now you got me on, so we just have a little conversation. That's cool. But like I said, if you would like to listen to Eddie Z boss someone else around for an hour and 37 minutes, <laughs> you can listen to the Kitchen Sink podcast with our buddy Eddie, uh, Eddie Z and Chris Wizard. I don't boss nobody around. Uh, Jason, you think I was bossing you around? I was talking wrestling. No, you're good. You're good. Scott I'm just saying, you know, there's a masculine part of the Kitchen Sink podcast, and then there's, then there's Chris. I'm only kidding, Chris. He's going to go and try to kill me the next time he sees me. We're recording in about two days, too. Awesome. But uh, (laughs) I love this show, and everybody should definitely listen to The Kitchen Sink. Thank you, thank you. But uh, something that we know that Eddie Z has very strong feelings are on two different guys. The first guy, who we spoke about on a special podcast last week, which everyone should check out, is CM Punk. Now, I'm going to give you the floor for a couple of moments, because I know that you like the guys in ring talent, and you like, but you're also a fan of guys in the mic. But a guy who, being a former wrestler, I think you have a unique opinion on a guy leaving a company and everything else. So, the floor is yours, Eddie Z. Your opinions on CM Punk and uh, him saying goodbye for however long it's going to be. Um, I went back and forth with this a lot. And, uh-huh. um, all right, here we go. So CM Punk. Okay, so you know, first he says we really don't. You know, the the stories are still out there. Obviously, you know, the, the people who advocate and are on his side are always going to believe the story that he left because he was sick and tired of what was going on. Then you got the story that he has a lot of injuries and he needed time off and he felt like, why go further with this? I'm not getting what I want. It's not making sense. Why keep putting my body through this? Um, and then, you know, you have the story of him not agreeing with anything that they're doing and, you know, whatnot. And so... So his contract ends in July, right? Correct. Okay, so his contract ends in July, and we all know CM Punk. Like Jason mentioned on the last podcast, he is a hothead. And this is a guy who you can see him wanting to go out on his own terms, not wanting to have the last month or two of his contract when he tells McMahon, I'm not going to sign up. All of a sudden, he's doing dance competitions and tagging with divas and just withers away. Like, you can see this happening with the Punk-type character, because after he did his his famous pipe bomb, no sooner than that happened, he became a champion for 400 plus days. It was almost like, okay, here you go. Now shut up, you know? And now, you know, it, sometimes I think fans forget about these little things, that he was champion for 400 and something days. It's not like the man hasn't been given his due in the last two years. The show revolved around them for almost two whole years. So, and he comes out, and then, you know, so now they Brian. And for whatever everybody's thinking about Brian, oh, they're burying him. No. How could you say they're burying a man who gets two or three segments a show, and everyone's talking about, and he's on the pay-per-view up and down, and then they don't put him in the rumble, and suddenly they're burying him. When I almost see Brian more than I see John Cena now over the last few months. And that's saying something. Because John Cena has taken a drastic step back from the limelight. He's still there because he's John Cena. You cannot change that. But now I'm seeing Bryant as much as I'm seeing Cena, if not more, because he's so heavily invested in the storyline with Triple H. What they're doing to him, when he won that first title, I feel like 
they, they gave Brian that first title to kind of see, okay, the fans buy into him. Now we're going to take it back. We're going to break him down. We're going to rebuild him and try to get him somewhere by the time WrestleMania comes. So when I look at Punk, I'm like, Punk had that moment. And now here he is. He's mad that he's going into this thing. He had this thing with Kane. But, you know, as much as I get upset and rag on the rumors pages for kind of ruining wrestling for us, we all kind of see that Punk was going to wrestle Triple H at Mania. It seemed like that's where it was going. How is that bad? Like, how in, how in what universe is fighting, you know, the, one of the main heels, the top dog in Triple H in the company, bad, unless he was going to be pegged to lose? I mean, the thing is, Ed, there's a lot uh, that you said that I agree with. Um, the Brian thing, I think, is interesting, and he is on a lot of segments of the show. But I think he's also been booked as a weak character, you know, in terms of, you know, he loses and he's five foot nine and he's the underdog and yada, 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 yada. And how much can you continue to knock a guy down? But that's another story. I think the punk thing, I think he should have stayed until the end of WrestleMania. And then, you know, he could have left after that. Um, I do think he took his ball and ran home. I think home. this was selfish on his part. But I do think the injuries plays a bigger part of it than... Where than we realize. I mean, the guy said he was getting MRIs like every week, and that his body is a very, very beat up, and he's been wrestling hurt for quite a long time. And I think he kind of saw where they were going with it, and he's like, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of this. So, um, but it's I also think, but, I, but you know what though, Ed? I think it's not just him and his storyline. I think he sees what he feels like is happening in the company, where they keep bringing guys back. And giving guys big spots and not putting guys over who have been there for you know a long time. And I think he sees what's happening, and I don't think he wants to be a part of that. I, I think that's also a big part of it. Not just his storyline, but the Daniel Bryan storyline, the Cesaro not getting a, a, a WrestleMania match last year. You know, those kind of things I think are just grinding on him. And he's a different kind of guy anyway. So I think that's kind of where you know where his mindset was. I I agree. I agree with some of the things. I agree with almost a lot, everything that you've said, but I agree with it in the sense that this the WWE isn't an office. This is there's no cubicles. There's not you're sitting there for five years. You have seniority. They hire the young gun. He comes in, makes more money than you, takes your spot. This that's not what this is. This is a company that you were again featured as the main guy for two years. You were after killing the company, or I, we we still don't know if it was an anger or not. With the whole no, it pipe down, definitely wasn't anger. Was an yeah. Well, after all that, and then now, I mean, I know he's probably looking at it like he thinks he wants to make the change that is needed. But when it's all said and done, this is still the WWE, right? It's still like McMahon's baby, and he's been given more than I actually think um, he would have been given. If not, if his name wasn't CM Punk and being the type of guy he was, you know, remember, woo, 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 that guy was a phenom too for about two seconds. And because he wasn't the type of guy like CM Punk is outspoken out there, he's buried. We don't see him no more. How about, how about Riley, Alex Riley? Where's that guy? Wasn't he the hot topic? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying those guys aren't Punk. They're going to accept what's given to them. Punk is not going to accept what's given to them. But they weren't also on the level. They weren't on his level either. Oh, no, but they were that new, fresh, young face coming up, making waves. 
And, you know, for me to hear, oh, Punk, he was upset because, you know, what's going on with Cesaro, you know, guys coming in like The Rock, guys coming in like Batista, you know, all, all, everything I hear is that Punk has enough money to retire and be happy, right? So if that's the case and you really truly care about, you, you care about your fans, you care about the product, you care about the guys in the back, why, obviously this is going to change things for these same people who you're supposedly fighting for, speaking for, is going to put people in different positions that they probably shouldn't be in or we're going to go in and now they're being fast forwarded right into, why put, why, why change these things for your supposed friends by going, you know what, screw it, I'm leaving. Call it what it is. If you're hurt, just say, I can't go. I'm willing to give up my mania check because I can't go no more, man. I need this break. Don't don't make it seem like you're 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 the voice of the voiceless like he always calls himself and that he's leaving for a higher moral ground. Just say what it is. I'm too hurt to continue. And unless I'm in the main event, I want no part of this. Because that's what it looks like. To me anyway, that's what it looks like. Uh, one thing on this, because like I guess I think both you guys bring up some interesting points. But first point that you brought up with the idea that he was the champion and the central focal of the company for about a year and a half, two years. Almost two-thirds of those pay-per-views that he was supposed to be was the champion, John Cena was still in the main event of those cards. So having, having the title, but also, though, being the guy, the last image everyone sees, or the guy who's promoted the most, like when Cena, had, when Cena was, didn't have the title, he was still in usually the final segment of Raw every week. So perception and reality are two different things. If people are perceiving the fact that you're champion, but this other guy is the guy that we're supposed to actually think truly is the main guy, that's crossing signals, and I think that's part of a problem, where you can say that you're the guy who's champion, but the guy that everyone still felt was the main attraction wasn't the champion. Even though I don't like the idea of this face of the WWE storyline, which now appears to be bigger than the title, is part of the problem. Like I said, if you have the championship on Daniel Bryant, let's say that happens, but the guy who's in the main segment every week at the last thing in the Raw and who's facing the biggest guys in the company is still John Cena. Well, John Cena fought Laurinaitis. I wouldn't call Laurinaitis the biggest guy in the company, but I guess I'm making But it was the point, biggest right? storyline in the company. <laughs> I'm making your point. But it was yeah. the, big, like, so it was the biggest storyline in the company. Yeah. So I think there's a slight problem. And yes, is he being selfish and taking his ball home and you know crying maybe the fact that he's not in the main event. But you know what? After a while, when you put in your time, it almost seems like the disgruntled employee who feels like he's been passed over because of you have to maybe have a certain amount of women in a company or, you know, different minorities and different How things. How could you say that when he was... All right, maybe he wasn't main eventing for two years, but the man still held the title for as long. He still had Heyman. He was still coming. He was opening every show and ending every show. And maybe he didn't main event every pay-per-view, but he opened every Raw. He came out at the 10 o'clock hour and he ended every freaking Raw. He didn't main event WrestleMania. No. And the Miz did. Well, that was Miz against Cena. And the Miz, right. and Miz was champion at that point. But what, so what you're going to do then, then you're going to say, then you're going to tell them to do the Miz. I remember it was Cena and The Rock. So that was about The Rock, and that was about I, Cena. I, I understand, but you had a part-timer, and, and we, we talked about this last week. You basically had a part-timer, because The Miz, no one gave cared about him in that mania. But that was cool, though, to see right. The Miz, at, for me anyway, as champion, someone different. I, 
Yeah, I thought, it was, I, thought it was, I thought it was okay. I thought he did a good job, too. I'm not dismissing The Miz necessarily. Um, I think his character's grown stale, whatever, but he's okay. But really, that WrestleMania was about The Rock. And you've had The Rock basically main event three WrestleManias in a row as a part-time guy. I mean, that's, I think that's where Punk is at. And now you're going to have a fourth straight year, basically, of third straight year of, you know, a, a guy for sure, but really he was involved, you know, uh, with that Miz WrestleMania too. Basically a part-timer headlining four WrestleManias in a row. It's, I mean, that, that's where his frustration comes in. And you know what? I, could agree, I agree with you on that point, which rarely happens, is the idea that you have The Rock for two years headlining, then you got Batista, who it may not be the last match on the card, but he's going for the title. And what would have been the worst thing in the world that you have, you did your Cena versus Rock once in a lifetime, and you actually made it once in a lifetime. And the following year, you had him, uh, Punk lose the title at the Royal Rumble. And then at the following year, you had him get his rematch. But why couldn't you have Rock put over Punk at Mania. So, the, so this whole thing is about Punk at no time main eventing WrestleMania. That's part of so it. So him going, I've never main evented Mania. I've been here a long time. I think it's a, I think it's a factor. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's a, Has I think Randy Orton there's a lot of little main evented WrestleMania. Has Randy Orton main evented? Yes. At which when he was, I can't think. I think, he, about yeah, it I think right he did now. against Triple H one year. Against Triple H one year, I and that was. I want to look it up. That was that it. was almost evolution. That was a long, long time ago. Randy Orton's been here a really long time, almost as long as John Cena. He's almost like a ten or twelve time champion. Yeah, but you know what? He hasn't main evented WrestleMania. I mean, I mean, even if he did it once, and Punk never did it once, he has just as much gripe as anyone. He's been he's over. He's he has the title more than ten times. He's what? only main event at main event, uh, WrestleMania, you're telling me, one time. So, th you know, that's the thing. Like, you got the guy who's, who goes for the company. This is his career. He's going to do what he does. And he's going to have the ups and downs. Like, right now, it's a up for Randy Orton. Next year, it might be a down. But I get, I get what you're saying about Punk. Just, you know, you know it's hard to say. Because if Batista would have never came back, and they would have put Cena against Orton at WrestleMania, would have Punk left. You know, so we don't know. This is hypotheticals. I don't want to go into hypotheticals. Is it more about him not being the main event or Batista being in the main event? I think it's, you know? two, it's twofold. I really think it is. It's the idea that... And he said in interviews, if you want to believe or not, that he doesn't have a problem with Batista as a person, but he felt that him just jumping in and taking away the spot... Not the spotlight, but the position of a guy who's worked the whole entire year, same thing as The Rock did... There's a problem with that, and I could, see, and as someone who's never wrestled, who's you know just talking about it, I could see how that can make someone hey, go stir crazy. No, let me tell you that when I when I first did this, you know, when I first wrestled over ten years ago, and I went into a locker room, and a locker room had, you know, a lot of guys who were there. They had their lumps, they had their scars on their head. They were beaten up. They were doing their thing, and um, I came in. I had the look, the long hair, the tattoos. The guy saw me. I could jump off the top ropes, do moonsaults, do a lot of wrestling. He put me out there, and within like two months, he put me against Homicide for the title of that uh, promotion. And I got a lot of flack for it from the older guys in the back who were really crapping on me. They were like, oh, this guy, this new, this rookie, this green, you know, he, well, what is this? And all of a sudden, all the older guys lined up, and they wanted to have a match with me just so they could stiff me. 
just like a lay one in me, you know, and what they call wake me up to the business. And I hated it because I'm just there. If you like my look, you like what I do, and you put me in a position, I'm going to take it. And now all, all these salty veterans in the back, these guys have been doing it for eight or nine years. Now I'm, I'm going in a gauntlet every weekend, and I'm getting stiffed, you know. And these guys are like, oh, fight back, stiff me. And if you don't know what stiff is, it's just laying in really hard on the hip. Stiff, stiff, stiff. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to stiff you. I was a light worker. Uh, I, was, I, I moved around. I wasn't somebody who was going to sit there with you and go, you know, fist to face all the time. So, I, you know, in that retrospect, I'm like, why is everybody upset at me? This is what I was given. This is what Batista was given. You know, who wouldn't take a payday to come and headline Mania? You know, and I know Punk didn't have anything against Batista. It was more of the, what was going on. Like, why would they do this when you have guys here? But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's the business of wrestling. Wrestling's a roller coaster. It's up and down. And I feel like this is one of those things where he was like, you know what? I'm not going to stick around in a company that doesn't appreciate me, who doesn't appreciate what they have. I'm not going to resign with them. And you know what? I'm going to leave them on my own terms before they got me in a dance competition. Um, one thing real quick. Uh, just looking over the main events of WrestleMania. Orton was in one WrestleMania. Uh, that was the one where... Uh, Triple H, he went to Triple H's house and beat up Stephanie or whatever. Yeah, that was a good storyline. That was in 2009. That was a pretty good story. And Triple H won that match. Um, now, in terms of the, the punk thing, it's about him. But what about the idea Ed, that they're not pushing these younger guys at all? The young guys seem to be all in the same spots that they've been in. Reigns is getting a little bit of a push. Some of the guys are getting a little bit of a push, Bray Wyatt. But for the most part, you have all these guys, Sandow, Ziggler. All these guys are in this the same the same area, gray area. Mid-card and house. they're not really building new stars. And that's probably one of Punk's issues. But that's a big issue. They're not really building new stars. You have to bring these guys back every year. Next year, they're going to... You know, bring out Stone Cold, bring out The Rock again when he's got to promote another movie. At some point, they have to put over some of these bigger guys, some of these younger guys, I should say. I hear what you say about building wrestlers, and, you know, that's what makes wrestling fun is when you see guys come out of nowhere. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is that when we, when we see guys get made, who's, who's making them? Is it the actual guy in the ring? You know, Ziggler's ability, his charisma... Um, his mic skills got better as the years went on. He made himself, right? And you look at guys like Sandow. I think Sandow's in-ring charisma is what's building him up. So when I think when we talk about um, making guys, I think I, it's just maybe it's me. Maybe it's I'm still the, 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 the little kid watching wrestling and, you know, I'm trying not to know too much of what's going on. But is it more of that they're waiting to see which wrestlers grab get a hold of the fans? Like which ones the fans like? And look, Ziggler, he he got he got in touch with the fans. They gave him a title, right? Right after Mania, he cashed in. Am I right? He did. And, and then they took it away. But he got his payday. He got that moment that we wanted, and it was one of the coolest moments we've seen. It was the biggest match, bigger than anything that happened in Mania, and he got it. And then he lost it about what a month later. 
But well, that, the uh, he didn't lose. It's scripted. Oh, wait, he didn't you, lose. They took it away. Okay, from they him. took it away. He, he, uh, he earned it, which <laughs> is why did. the fans were going crazy. And then they took it away from him. And they gave him, they gave him the spot, and they said, "Okay, you got what you want. Now we're gonna move on." Is it right? No. But does anybody remember when Daniel Bryan was the champ and he was fighting Big Show and Henry and, and Mark Henry? No one seemed to be cheering for this guy then. I mean, all the people who saw him in NXT still loved him, but he nobody cared about him. People he cheered. Was a heel, but he's a heel. But that's the thing. If you, no matter how you can be a heel and Randy Orton, they say he's Captain Boring because he works a slow style. But if, if Randy Orton was awesome all over the ring doing crazy stuff, the fans would love him. Then it'd be impossible to make him a heel. So you have to change the character. So nobody cared about Brian then. And now because we know how McMahon and Vince felt about Brian, we, we attach ourselves to Brian because he's the underdog. Uh, and if you want to get more of these very interesting <laughs> takes on uh, on life, wrestling, and everything in between. On life. I don't talk about life, brother. I talk about the past in our you life. Mean, well, I'm, I'm sure that at some point you'll be talking about your five favorite, you know, game, uh, you know, games as a kid. And I'm, isn't life uh, one of those games or Monopoly? You know, I was try, I was trying to go and you, you know, let me finish did, the plug. You know, we did do top five cereals. Uh, top five games. I was. But I this said maybe. Guy doesn't listen. I thought maybe you do board games next. <laughs> you know, I thought you do board games. You know, if you're not talking about politics or religion, everything else is on the table on this show, The Kitchen Sink. I thought maybe you would talk about you know board games or sorry, but cheesy. Jason, thank you for having me on the show. Corey, no thank problem, you for having bro. me on the show. You gotta, you gotta see what Corey was doing here. He's going crazy because we're going over the time, so that's funny. But um, uh. Thanks, everybody. I, I like coming on the show. Listen to these guys. Your last show with CM Punk was awesome. I think it was, like, your best show. That's not saying anything about your other show. I just thought that show was really, really good. The other one sucked. Thanks, Ed. No, no. You're getting better <laughs> with every recording. And that's what we're about. We're about getting better. I hope I'm getting better with every show. But if anything, I'm going to do my own plug so Corey doesn't have to butcher it. You can find us at thekitchensink.com. Oh, I don't .com. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash... You're butchering your own format. <laughs> I'm butchering. He, he got, I'm sitting too close to him. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash kitchen dot sink dot 12. You can find us on iTunes as The Kitchen Sink. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Kitchen Sink 2 or email us at The Kitchen Sink 2014 Gmail. Uh, this week, we're going to have some great insights on uh, Transformers 4, and we're going to be giving a little fun history lesson on Captain America with the new movie about to come out. Check us out. Thank you, guys. And uh, we will be back right after this with uh, This Week in History and a little bit of news and some other fun things. So keep on listening, guys. Be right back. Welcome back to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with your host, Corey Richmond from the Bronx and Jason Brooks, who is still in Rochester, New York. We got him a picture of Rita Hayward. We got a half of a chessboard set up with pieces. And there's only one thing left to do. Get ready to make a breakout. Jason, uh, as you just heard, uh, we have a new investor. 
and his name is MVP. And I guess we'll go right now to our MVP when it comes to the news of the week. Jason, take it away. Corey, you are so smooth. Do you know that? So smooth. All right. Um, all right, so we're going to go to uh, news of the week. So um, interesting with uh, Raw this week, um, it was the rating was 3.15, which is down from last week and down from the big Batista return, but still over a 3-1 for the year. So the WWE um, is pretty happy whenever the rating's over a 3-1. So the rating was pretty solid, but down from the last few weeks. Um, I know we've been hammering CM Punk these last couple of weeks, but this is just a story that I read on a pro, uh, PW Insider uh, regarding CM Punk possibly suffering a concussion at the Rumble. He did pass his concussion test before he walked out. However, Punk did get banged up during the Royal Rumble. He was in the match for like 50 minutes. Uh, during a WWE creative meeting this past weekend, writers were told that Punk went home because he got his bell rung, quote-unquote, in the Rumble match. There's a belief within the company, possibly passed down from Triple H and or McMahon, that Punk w- walked out simply because he was banged up, as opposed to everything else like creative frustration, the WrestleMania match with Triple H, and everything else that's been reported. Nobody knows what kind of talks Punk and Vince have had since last Monday, but there's a feeling within the WWE that Vince may be under the impression Punk left because he got hurt. So, you know, it's interesting. Maybe McMahon does feel that way. Maybe Punk really did leave because he got hurt. You know, maybe the... And I've always felt this way. The fact that he was hurt was more of an indication, more of a factor in terms of him leaving than a lot of the other things that we've been talking about. I really think the injuries have played a big part in, in why he... I mean, every year we've talked about him being hurt um, after WrestleMania. So I, I think that was definitely a factor. But you know what? Before we get to uh, some other, other items, I just think that if he went home because he's hurt, why do you take him off of every single piece of... Uh, Basically, he doesn't exist. He's no longer in the opening montage. He's not. He's based no more appearances. He's not on fan access. If he's hurt, I'm sure he can go and sign some autographs at fan access. I don't understand if that's what if that's what Vince McMahon believes he's hurt. Then why does why has he basically been become Captain Invisible? No, that's fair. That's fair. Now on to news of the week. Uh, so February fifth, nineteen eighty eight. The WWE main event was held in Indianapolis, Indiana, and aired on NBC. I used to love the main events. Um, it was the most-watched American wrestling show ever with around 33 million viewers. After winning the match, Andre the Giant, uh, who beat Hogan, surrendered the WWF title to Ted DiBiase, um, but this was deemed illegal by WWF President Jack Tunney. Remember Jack Tunney? He used to love Jack Tunney. The figurehead and- who really was just there to just chill out. I mean, he seemed like he was a mess. I feel like if we were watching now as adults, we would have been making fun of him the whole time. But back when we were a kid, we loved Jack Tunney. I really thought he was the president. Uh, Anyway, Jack Tunney vacated the title. Um, Also, the TV feed cut off before the end of the final tag team match. I I do kind of remember that. And if you guys remember, that set up the tag team or the the, uh, world title tournament um, at that year's WrestleMania. And that was a great WrestleMania, in my opinion. Um... And just some other highlights from that. Randy Savage defeated Honky Tonk Man by count out. That was in the age where the guys could lose by count out 
Um, they would be losing the match, and they would walk out, and they would leave, and we didn't yell and scream about it like we would uh, in this day and age. So interesting how wrestling's changed from, from that time. Uh, and Strike Force, which was at the time Tito Santana and Rick Martel, defeated the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Nightheart, to return and retain the WWF Tag Team titles. Now, that's very interesting that, like you said, uh, that set up the tournament at WrestleMania four, which then set up the, uh, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, and then setting up WrestleMania five with the splitting up of the Mega Powers exploding. So that one event, on Saturday Night's main event, went and basically set up a story for the next year and a half, which in this, you know, in WWE right now, figuring out a story for next week is still up in the air. So it's amazing how they booked years ago. And uh, like you said, that was a moment in history that may never be repeated, especially the idea of having 33 million people on broadcast television watching wrestling. That is an amazing number. 33 million. It's amazing. You they, can't, they can't get four now or five. <laughs> you also have to realize that you know there was no ca- there was no cable and it was uh, there was you know there was two f- there was WABC I mean there was ABC NBC CBS possibly HBO if you had a special antenna TBS possibly and you know there weren't all these niche you know niche channels like you know the History Channel A and E no, USA I- and stuff so I mean. There was, you know, less options, so that big number is amazing. And that's one of the reasons why when the Super Bowl gets, you know, a, a 40 share, it's a huge number because that's usually the only thing that's on, and everyone has the uh, the basic, you know, CBS, NBC, and ABC. But now I want to go and on. Fox I'm now. Not, I, I'm, and I know that we have to end the show soon. I don't want to go on a crazy tangent. But isn't it fascinating how niche wrestling has become? You know, when they did that Super Bowl commercial about the 80s, Two of the guys they profiled were wrestlers. They had, you know, Mary Lou Retton and the, you know, Team Wolf and all this other stuff. And they had Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter in that Super Bowl commercial for Radio Shack. If they have a commercial 20 years from now about anything that happened in the 2000s, is John Cena going to be a blip on the radar screen? I don't, I don't know that he will. And so I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting what's happened with wrestling, how it's become so much more of a niche thing. Um, and kind of an uncool thing to watch and follow as opposed to the 80s when everybody watched it. Or everybody at least knew a lot about it. That's true. Um, Now, going on to something that we haven't gone to yet, for the next six weeks, the other uh, promotion that we occasionally talk about, TNA, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. Uh, The action does often stop. (laughs) The, the, the action absolutely stops, especially when Dixie's talking. Go ahead. Or anytime we see Sam Shore, you know, trying to be, uh, Amer- you know, uh, the movie American Psycho or Dexter or whatever ridiculous uh, segment, which one of the people that we love to follow, uh, John Pollock from the, uh, the Law, Law Radio, so elegantly said, you know, in the 20 plus years he's been watching wrestling, that is the worst segment he's ever seen. So, you know, that, that says something. But uh, we have the next six weeks of programming was done overseas. The first one that we saw in uh, Glasgow was uh, they had, I guess, about 4,000 people. And it looked like a very good crowd. And it makes you start to wonder if they could afford it. Would the smartest thing for TNA 
just be an overseas promotion because the way that they're received overseas is as if they're a big deal. Yeah, I've heard that this week, and uh, you know, in terms of whether that'd be a good idea. Uh, but it's the you know, people have mentioned, and I agree with this: is the novelty act. You know, they're not they're not there often, um, and they are over over there. Um, but I, I, you know, it's that kind of novelty act of it. They're over now, but I think you know, they're when you consider what they do in Florida, a lot of people like them there too, and they're over in the Universal Studios as well. Um, but you know, how much can you do that? That you know, be around those same kind of fans every week. You've got to change the location. You've got to change things up. So I don't, I don't think being international would help their brand further, and I think it would be incredibly expensive. Um, and make them go out of business even quicker than they may now. And like I said, it's, and you know, it's very smart. You have once a year, you you take a, you do a month of programming uh, overseas in Europe, where like I said, they have a following. Then you come back, and you're also giving, unless you're doing house shows, you're giving your talent, especially Kurt Angle, who looks like he could barely move anymore. You're giving him a chance to rest up and get ready for a lockdown, which will be at least one of their pay-per-views this year, which may be their only. You know, we never know what, you know, the information that we're given. But uh, something else that has come over, well, we have a couple minutes left on this show. We spoke about last week when we were talking about Daniel Bryant and if he doesn't get the title at Mania with him winning it at the uh, following event, Extreme Rules. There was rumors going around that the event was going to be happening in Seattle. But, uh... It has come out that nobody knows where this event's happening still. I know it's three months out, so tickets mostly won't go on sale for another couple of weeks anyway. But the idea of, you know, Daniel Bryant winning in front of his home home crowd, that scenario is now out the window because they're saying that the event won't be there. So I think that's kind of interesting how basically we went from thinking that an event was going to be in Seattle to now we have no idea where the event's going to be. So, and, and, and for, you know, for you guys who realize, so obviously Daniel Bryan's from Washington State. And the big thing um, you know, that's been speculated about or was speculated about when we thought it was going to be in Seattle was that that's where Bryan would actually win uh, the WWE World Heavyweight title. Uh, and now we don't know where it's going to be, so we don't know how it's going to play into the storylines. Um, another thing, let's go into for a couple of moments... You had a chance to see it. I'll most likely see it in the next day or two. Uh, the the long-awaited in-ring debut on television of AJ Styles in Ring of Honor was uh, seen with, if you had Sinclair Broadcasting as a station, and in that vicious finisher of the Styles Clash that Roderick Strong took. Now now that you've seen it, what was your, what was your opinion on the match and... What do you think of AJ Styles now being back in Ring of Honor? Did he get a great reaction from the crowd? What was what was it like watching that match? Uh, the match itself was tremendous, as you would expect with Ring of Honor. Uh, he did get a great reception from the crowd. The crowd loved him, obviously. They knew he was coming. Uh, that finisher was really, really boxed. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, I think it looked like it was a, his head was down too far. Um, and that's kind of why it happened. Um, and that, you know, Roderick Strong, so his neck basically got twisted like an accordion. Uh, looked like a real, real uh, dangerous uh, situation there. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, he hasn't wrestled since, but we'll kind of see if he's okay. Those tapings were from the beginning of the year. Um, and AJ looked great. It was a tremendous match. 
the fans are into him, and I'll be curious to see where he goes. It sounds like he's going to be wrestling there for a little bit. So we'll see, you know, how much he wrestles there. They give him a, a push. Um, a lot of the tapings are already out, but I don't like reading those until we watch the show. So we'll kind of see where they go with AJ in terms of the title picture and, and those type of things. Uh, another thing that you actually brought up to me, which I didn't realize, was that earlier this week, uh, Stephanie McMahon had uh, spoken with Stacy Keebler to possibly coming back in a, on an on-air uh, role with the company. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Is that something that is just just like our friend Eddie Z says? It's a it's a, fem- it's a female performer, nobody cares. Or do you think that with her dating, you know, the George Clooney's of the world and doing some reality stuff, it actually could mean something? I mean, I think they're getting her to put her on Total Divas. I think if they get her, that's what they're going to do with her in terms of her being on Raw and whatever. That'll all be a filter for Total Divas. Um, so I think that's where they would be going with it. And I think if they do put her on Total Divas um, with E, you know, she is a name. Uh, as far as, like, an in-ring performer or wrestling or whatever, that's ridiculous. But um, I think putting her in Total Divas as kind of the star of the show would be really good for the WWE in terms of their uh, ratings for the Total Divas show. So I think that's probably, if I had to guess, where they would be going with that. But I don't want to, God, I don't want to see her in the ring or, or anything like that. Be, that'd be awful. Um, but on Total Divas, I think, you know, um, uh, it'd be good for the ratings. Now, do you th- now something that she has said, or at least has been perceived in the past, one of the reasons she didn't want to come back, because it was a step backwards. Now, do you think that, would you agree with that? Once you get out, coming back is uh, a step backwards? Or do you think that it's just been enough time and t- take the McMahon's money and uh, do what you want? I mean, all, everybody comes back, you know. I think the difference for Stacy Keebler is that she wasn't a wrestler. So she never loved wrestling, and she wasn't a wrestler. So her leaving kind of was her leaving wrestling because she wasn't a wrestler and she wanted to do other things. So her coming back is kind of a step back. But, you know, we all got to make money. And did work out with Clooney, so she doesn't have his money. So, you know, she needs a couple of bucks, and, and this is a good opportunity to do that. And another story that uh, came around this week was uh, Jeff Jarrett during the Super Bowl uh, put a teaser video saying uh, it's coming. And the song that was playing is Won't Get Fooled Again. Now, I don't know if that's a shot at Dixie Carter and possibly with him coming back and then now being gone and looks like he's going to have his own company, which has been rumored later on this year. But uh with, uh, with the rings of, Ring of Honors, the TNAs, and all the other mini federations that are out there that can't compete with the WWE already, do you think this is just Jeff Jarrett wasting more of his money trying to get another company, or do you think this could actually be something? I mean, we've seen that these wrestling companies, other than the WWE, all go out of business. I mean, that's what we've seen. So I don't want to say it's wasting money. I mean, we're wrestling fans. We always have been. We always will be. So if there's you know another company out there, yeah, I'd love to check it out and see what they do. Uh, but you know, in terms of it being successful, you know, I think that's it, it's a very dicey proposition. But we'll see. I mean, it's a long way away um, before anything comes down. But there's a lot of talented guys out there who need a spot, and there's not enough companies for these guys. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for the, the wrestlers, the independent guys, you know, to get a consistent paycheck. Now, uh, last thing to bring up. And, you know, this is all in uh, good fun. I just want to say thank you for being a friend. 
you know, one of our favorites from childhood was the show The Golden Girls, and we've been told that uh, next week's guest host will be the immortal Betty White. Now, I know you were a big fan of The Golden Girls as a kid and, and in college. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Betty White at age 90-whatever coming in on our television next week to uh, be guest host of Monday Night Raw? So we've seen with the guest GMs on Raw and how much they've botched the, the, the Michael Strahan and the Titus O'Neil thing a couple of weeks ago. They botched this, this up every time. And now they're going to have this 90-year-old lady come out and bust balls on a PG show. It's going to be horribly scripted, terribly done, super awkward, and a big, big waste of time. God bless Betty White for being 90-something years old and grinding and making a paycheck. But I, I really don't want to see her on my TV next week on USA Network. They botch these celebrity guest spots up all the time. They'll botch it up next week. It's just it's going to be awful. It's, it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. Is that going to slow? Is that going to ruin a little bit of your childhood? No, she's ninety years old. I mean, it's over. You know, she's she is the golden girl now. There's only she's the only one left. I, I believe you're right. Yeah. Is she yeah, the only total, one? By the way, I'm a total mark for the Golden Girls. If you guys didn't realize <laughs> it, one of my favorite all-time shows. Jeez, uh, we spoke about a lot of crazy things this weekend. We I guess we're ending it off with the Golden Girls, but. Um, just want to say, like always, I'm glad that everyone has decided to listen to our uh, our show. Uh, unless there is another breaking news story, you most likely won't hear from us again until uh, next week when Raw is in uh, not in Omaha, which you know hopefully we'll have a better crowd. Uh, do you have anything to let our people know, like you know how they can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and all that other wonderful stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you want to find us on Twitter. Um, I live-tweeted Raw last week. I live-tweeted Impact. I'm spending a lot of my time watching wrestling live. I'm not sure what's happening with my life, but I am live-tweeting this. Um, live-tweeted Raw last week. Had a good time. Picked up a couple of followers. Anyway, you can follow us at Worked Shoot Pod, W-R-K-E-D, Shoot Pod, all one word. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page, The Worked Shoot Podcast. Um, that's not one word. It's split up. So the Worked Shoot Podcast. And um, we're on iTunes, so you can look us up at the Worked Shoot um, on iTunes. And we also have a website, um, workedshoot.podomatic.com. Workedshoot.podomatic.com. So that's where you can find us. And if you go to one of those areas, either Twitter, Facebook, the website, or iTunes, um, you know, we're, we're pretty active on, on all four, so you should be able to get a hold of us somehow. Your thoughts and comments are appreciated and welcomed. And uh, last thing, because I heard uh, our buddy Eddie Z bring up, we also do have an email address if you want to go and contact us. It Who's is email us? What was that? Who's going to email us? I don't know. I mean, they have people email them, I guess. Maybe we should... Uh... They have people email them? Do you actually ever listen to the guest... Exactly. Go ahead. No, I no, not really. Go ahead. <laughs> the email address is workedshootpodcast at gmail.com. So if you uh, have any ideas, suggestions on how uh, Jay can uh, get through the cold and figure out a way to leave Rochester, 
Uh, we are more than happy to uh, listen to your suggestions. Or, you know, job opportunities, whatever. Job opportunities, sure. You know, um, <laughs> this, this whole wrestling podcast thing, we are doing for free. So, you know, if you got better opportunities than in uh, the Bronx or in Rochester, we shall move. At least I will. But um, I, once again, you know, so I thank everybody for uh, listening to podcast this week. Uh, we are going to be back next week, and we're going to leave you today with a little bit of Arsenio Hall with his guest, Stone Cold Steve Austin, with his take on the whole CM Punk situation. Guys, Work Shoot Podcast, out. See ya. For real wrestling fans, I got to deal with the CM Punk situation. Right. He quit the WWE two days ago. Is that real or is that storyline? The word on the street was it was real, but see... I was back in a place when I, I walked away from the company. I didn't like what they had to tell me, so I took my ball and went home as they spun it and lost out on a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so CM, I just think he was backed against the corner. He got a little frustrated, and he took his ball and went home. Now, I think one of two <laughs> things will happen. I think uh, Vince will fly down there to Chicago or wherever he is and mm -hmm. work some Jedi mind tricks and convince him to come back. Yeah. Or maybe he will think through the process, and he's got a lot of years left in the tank, and you know, never leave money on the table when you can go ahead and make that money because it don't matter what happens. They keep sending these little gimmicks in the mail, and they're called bills, mm -hmm. and you must pay your bills. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I consider... I do my show for the working man. I consider Punk a very good friend, and I, you know, I know he probably really is going through a lot of stress, and uh, I wish him well. Uh, I think it is a real deal, but I, I, I would like to think that he will come back. But, you know, he's a, he's a pretty hard-headed young man, so we will, uh, you know, see what happens. Bad timing because you've got WrestleMania 30, yeah. you know, going down yeah. in the Superdome. So, I mean, that's going to be a good payday and a good ride to yeah, make. some cream there. <laughs>